I welcome you to this journey that is very exciting into the future of social media and it's very profound in impacting how businesses shape their communication for growth. So the goal of this webinar is to make sure that everybody who has come to attend this webinar goes away with insights on how social media works, but also practical ways to apply on these different social media platforms. I'm Agi Patricia Tiromwe, and I'm the team lead at uh, Agile Media Africa. It's an agency that helps businesses find or identify the seamless need to communicate through the right channels. I think today's webinar is very important in that way, and I promise you it's going to be very captivating. With our special speakers today, It's I can assure you, there's going to be enough for you to take out. So my role in this webinar will be just to uh, moderate and also to maximize the impact and ensure that we have explored all the angles of the future of social media, but also introduce and set the stage for you. The agenda is very clear. I hope that we can all get out a few things here and there and explain why businesses should consider exploring um, these platforms. So I'd like to introduce our guest speakers today, Miss Patricia Cahill, a highly sought-out author who has written a book called Make Social Media Work For You, The Art of Social Media Selling. We've hosted her before on a personal podcast, and I thought she would be amazing to bring on here. She has several years of experience in the industry, and it's simply an impressive portfolio if you go down to her LinkedIn to check out what she has done. And that spans across coaching, team investments, and founding Cahill Insights, which is also an agency. They are known for crafting, engaging content. Patricia aspires to equip so many users with essential content marketing skills. You expect to learn a lot. She's a remarkable expert. I encourage you to follow her and also purchase her book right after this. So Patricia will be talking us, taking us through cutting-edge features and trends, importances of adopting the different social media platform, predictions and insights. She loves this. She loves predicting every other year. So we can't wait to hear what, what she predicts for 2024 and then the technologies. So next speaker would be Engineer Faisal. Recently saw that he was the new public relations manager at Airtel, and congratulations about that. He says he's a telecom engineer with a remarkable digital twist. He's not your typical engineer. He's a digital ma magician, and he blends innovation, results, and crit critical thinking. But what I love about him and what sets him apart is how his passion for turning content into captivating stories. He'll look at billboards and explain the theoretic part and the whole nuances of why brands do this and that. So fasten your seatbelts, everybody, for such a digital journey that Pfizer will guide us through. He'll take us through um, a few social successful campaigns. He'll analyze them and give strategies and tactics and then also guide us on how to evolve in this social media industry. Then the last person will be our marketing lead at Agile Media, who is such a vital member of the team. Her expertise in managing our social media clients' platforms goes beyond just the agency. Her success in digital is really paramount. Her passion is palpable. It's very evident in the success stories of us clients. And I thought it's great that she brings her way of crafting compelling content and driving impactful campaigns 
here. So she'll be taking us through strategy and planning and then how to align social media goals with the overall business objectives. Allow me to welcome everybody. If you have any questions, please write them down or add them in the chat section. Thank you, speakers. Thank you for honoring our invitation for you to speak for free to our audience. It's um, helpful that leaders like yourselves share such knowledge. So now for me to set the stage, I'd like to begin with the different platforms available. So I'll not really relate this to Uganda, but I'll go with the most common. So LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, X, Instagram, Clubhouse, Pinterest, they are quite a number. For any organization that is really looking forward to bringing awareness to their content or their message, they need to look out for the social media platforms that are already available why it's important to stay up to date for different businesses depending on your goals and objectives you could want to stay relevant to have a competitive edge to know your customer and meet their expectations to mitigate risks and for us in pr we call it crisis management to be effective and productive to innovate around the industry to adapt as things go along and also make data-driven decisions because most of these platforms share uh, back-end analytics that are normally helpful. There's the evolving landscape of these social media platforms. There are different topics that people will throw at you. There'll be AI, video, chatbots that everyone is talking about. We normally tell our clients, we need to get user-generated content from the actual consumers of the products. And then the short stories on Snapchat, e-commerce, people who are able to trade on these platforms. There are a lot of reasons that are driving the force behind this evolving landscape. And the reasons are really pretty much around technology and innovation. The concept of these emerging platforms, like I said, often introduces innovative features, technologies, or unique user experiences, setting them apart from established platforms. So if I'm to give us a primer into what businesses should look into before they actually start to go onto different platforms, for choice, Agile Media only has two, two social media platforms, which are LinkedIn and Facebook, for obvious reasons. We suggest to prospects to first understand the stats and data behind each platform. And we normally use gators that have the same data that then can help businesses or organizations choose what media platforms to be on or to choose. Just using an example of stats counter. So there are so many data aggregators here in Uganda that you could use stat counter, GMSA. I love to refer to UCC because it's a local aggregator and then all these other foreign ones. Before Facebook was shut down in Uganda, Facebook used to be at 78%. But if you look at Twitter right now at 35, Pinterest at 28, I don't know who I was having this conversation with. with. We were wondering who is even on Pinterest, but people actually go to Pinterest on for how to do DIYs. So that explains the percentage for it being more high than Twitter is, oh, sorry, Facebook is, YouTube and Instagram. So then you need to choose what are your goals. If you know your goals, then you can align with a platform where your audiences are. 
Um, I'm sure the experts will talk more about the audiences, but there's so many reasons that you need to explore these other platforms. If you're just starting out and you're probably not aware of your audiences and probably Facebook has an audience that you think you might tap into, it's probably good to uh, check it out. If you look at people who started in Uganda, but I can remember TikTok, I can remember threads, the people who joined these places earlier than the others have more reach and more or viewership or engagement if they are more consistent in creating their content. So if you want to reach more of your audience, know them better, promote yourself, build awareness, reach different markets, differentiate yourself from all the other brands, set the trends, not be everywhere, diversify your content, right? So for LinkedIn, if it does have a different audience, then try and cater or customize your content for that platform so on so forth if you have any questions we'll take them later but please allow me now bring in the other experts to tell us more about what he has in store for us hi first and foremost i don't have a presentation because i like this. yeah i enjoy this so i like discussions and i've loved your presentation the way you started us off so my name is Patricia Cahill. I am from Cahill Insights. We're a digital marketing agency who are now are becoming an academy for content creators and marketeers. On this topic, in regarding to the cutting edge features, earlier today, I was looking through LinkedIn. I was posting my newsletter for the month. And after posting, I went back to read and see how it's was acting and all those things. Follow up on numbers. If I wrote the right English, you can. You are never right with the English. Anyway, I found a new feature there in the LinkedIn Pulse. It's now called Pulse, where you put your newsletter and then it goes to the Pulse side. A feature is called the Open Immersive Reader. The Open Immersive Reader it helps you to read, listen to articles. So there's an AI at the back that is reading for you without you going you can open any other tab and read your other watch all your other things or do your other stuff while you're listening to an article that is being posted in files that was so impressive because wow i listened in to my own article and i was like okay so this is what people are listening to this is how it sounds yeah it gave me a nice feel also showed me where the commas the full stops where you know in an, an ai is reading for you it's really make sure that the full stops work, the uh, has work, the question marks. It's a nice feature. I'm going to be now very attentive on how the grammar is working in there. The other feature that I've been using, it's now on X, which is Twitter. It's the communities. The community feature is like groups, which you are invited in or you ask to join a group. And then, and you have to be like-minded to the group's ideas or theme or what it's working for. So I mean, a number of communities, I was going to say groups as with Facebook, but I mean, a number of communities were related to my Christian affiliations, Bible studies, social media, content marketing, AI, VR. There's another one that is so interesting, daily devotions. So Everyone in there posts their own things. It's a real group, like they we used to use Facebook groups. That's another feature that I think is, is 
good for the market right now. You can create your own community of people and talk to them. Then the other one I found is Instagram. Instagram has broadcast channels now. Broadcast channels are almost the same as WhatsApp channels. So now those two kind of work the same. So you create only people who follow you on Instagram can view your channel. And you can put their information and can last, is it 30 days? Other than the information you put on statuses. So in my head, I'm also wondering, what's the difference between that and what we have already been having on Instagram, where I post my picture and my stories and they are there. So what's the purpose? Was there? I don't know what Mark is thinking. It's doing a lot of things at the same time. Doesn't make sense. But anyway, I would actually prefer the WhatsApp community because it's easier there because there's no a constant feed like someone can follow through. So it's 24 hours of status, but then you have a 30 days community where you can go back and see someone's stuff, what they posted, comments and stuff like that. So those four platforms are mainly what I will use every day. So it's easier for me to find new features that are working there. So why adapt to these platform changes? Why is it important for you to adapt to them? One of the things which you also mentioned, Aggie, is to stay relevant. For many, many years, for the years I've been online, which are more than 20, I've seen platforms die because they refused to evolve. I've seen people lose out on, a, on, on, on their clout, K-L-O-U-T or C-L-O-U-T, because they refuse to adapt onto the new things. It's like saying, I can't be on Twitter because nowadays it's X. Yeah, you're going to lose out on the numbers of the people that have been following you. You're not going to communicate. So staying relevant helps you to stay with purpose and stay with the people that you are. You have already grown. The numbers, you've already grown. Then you mentioned something to do with competitive advantage, which I also want to drop in and add. If you don't adopt and adapt, you die out. So everyone else is picking up on new things. And there's another a trick I've found. If I have not been famous, let me say on Twitter, but I find a feature that is new and I work in that feature, I can beat someone who has been famous there because I am adapting fast. I can use the feature fast. I'm going to create content for it fast. So I'll grow my audience faster because I have adapted fast. And this is also why, which will be my third reason to adapt, is the algorithms of these platforms tend to work best with new features. So if you're not adapting, you're falling behind algorithm because now the algorithm has been changed to work with the new features that have been brought in. So that's why you see new people who have not been online tend to become more famous and people who have been there already because they adapted on a new feature. The, uh, the algorithm is promoting them. It's giving them the audience that they need because they have adopted the new feature. Improved engagement, which works if you adapted, you are a new kid on a broke, you're using a feature well. So you're getting engagements. Your engagements are going to be nice. Your interactions are going to be nice. The people you're reaching, yeah. Then the other one that I love most is data and analytics. New features help to enhance the capabilities of your content. And that means even the data to analyze what you've posted has been enhanced. So you can find deeper things. You can find a person uh, where they are staying or what they're doing. I'll give an example on Twitter right now. If you're in a community, 
depending on how you're posting, it will show which region you're coming from. So if you're in a community that is talking about, let me say, content creation and marketing, and the tools that you're sharing, we already now would see this is an Asian part. This is from the Asian part of the economy because these tools, we are not using them in the African side of the economy. So it helps you to see who is using what and also you adopting onto those. Predictions, which I love most. I love predictions. Actually, you found me writing my article for the year. So you guys are getting me into a little bit of the things I am coming up with. I've studied and seen and watched and, and been doing some research. Um, so I'm going to give you like four of those so that you can you guys can get the new vision magazine for 2024 in, in December so so that you can find out more. But the ones I'm going to talk into, which I think are prominent for discussions and more is the AI ones. AI powered personalization is going to be an interesting one. Immediately as we're starting out on this Zoom webinar right now, Zoom asked you if it would aggregate for you. And that is personalizing the content that is happening here. So it's asking if it could just curate everything for you and then send you a whole written document and everything it had as talking. So that is personalizing the content that is being shared. The other one in AI would be AI content generation. Most right now, if you are a writer, a blogger, a content creator, and you're not using AI, I am not sure if you're going to be sustainable. I don't think you are going to be sustainable. And if you're using AI and you're giving it all the powers, you're also not going to be sustainable because using AI needs you to be also a critical thinker who knows what prompts to use, what prompts to put, ask AI to give you. Remember, AI is behind. It's giving you information of 2021. It's backwards. It doesn't yet created information from 2022 onwards. So that means you're getting old information. What you use with that information is up to you. Are you able to get that information and also research more on the current years and then come up with a very intense content or blog or article or picture, whatever you are coming up with that you've asked it. The last one for business owners, social responsibility has to be sustainable. And we are looking out for social responsibility. How are we doing this? Because you might think, are we doing it out there? It's not online. Oh, we are looking into your pictures. We are trying to see if you're giving out a phone, how sustainable is that? If you're giving out school fees, if you're cleaning an environment, planting trees, how sustainable is that? How can we gauge the sustainability? How does the story flow of your social corporate responsibility? Those are the four that I want to share with you as the predictions. Back to you, Agi. Wonderful. I have my own questions right now, but I'll save it until the rest of the speakers have given their uh, two cents. So allow me invite Engineer Faisal. Thank you so much, Patricia, for those insights. Thank you so much, uh, guys, for this invite. I was actually a bit shocked. Eh? I think this winning uh, the LinkedIn Influencer Award there is putting me, taking me places. So. <laughs> I'll get to it. I did read up. I do have a couple of uh, case studies. My favorite, uh, my favorite one in Uganda is, of course, the one I worked on, the Jumia horse delivery. <laughs> yeah. But uh, before we get to that, I want to take you back to two. I might have time to just speak about one. 
But the two case studies that I always use, uh, one is Nike's Dream Crazy campaign, because it was one of those campaigns where people were really scared. It was, this is back then in 2018, when there was the whole movement of uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, Colin Kapaniak before his game, before his national game, he literally took the knee and the whole world saw him take the knee. And then people were divided. You know, they didn't know they didn't know what to do. So people in NFL, people were stuck between, okay, yeah, Black Lives Matter, but why are you bringing it into sports? And then other people were like, yes, why shouldn't he have to use his platform or something like that? So in, an, in normal circumstances, it would have died out. Like no brand would have backed this. No one would have backed this because NFL came really hard on Kapenia. They actually suspended him for that period. And even when it happens in Uganda, when someone goes against politics, yeah, you're not going to find brands coming to support you or to back you. You know, you're not going to find, let's say, a shoe brand going to support, let's say, for lack of a better example, Bessie J or Bobby Wine, you know, because he's standing up for the people. No. But what Nike did was it came up with a dream crazy campaign, which stood for a testament to the greatness the brand has. And in this campaign, they were literally telling sports people that, man, you actually have a right. You actually have a right to express yourself. You have a right to dream crazy. And you have a right to just do it. Like if you want to take, if you want to take the knee, take the knee. Don't have any of those big brands behind you coming or clamping down on you. Just do it, literally. So, in the beginning, sorry, some Nike did use was one. They made a video ad of Colin, so he was literally narrating to to the viewers what it means to dream and to believe. Yeah. Then they also ran just do it hashtags on social media. They had influencers. They already have brand ambassadors behind the just do it line. So this was a bit easy. Then they just leveraged both video and image content across Instagram. I'm not sure if TikTok was there then, but I know it was big on Instagram. It was big on Twitter as well. It was big on every online site that picked it up. Now, the funny thing is when the Dream Crazy campaign went live, it was like wildfire because people were like, what? Some people were like me, I'm going to ban my Nike shoes, <laughs> you know, because why is Nike supporting someone taking the knee during our anthem? So there were that lot of people. And in the beginning, I think in the first one week, the Nike stock really dropped, like it dropped. But by the second week, the stock had a record high number. Like you understand how campaigns work. In the beginning, maybe it's going to work or it's not going to work. And I've seen brands kill campaigns because the first week or the first months of the of the campaign have not been very promising. But Nike stood by Colin. And by the end of the month, they had record high in terms of stock price. There's a significant increase in brand loyalty. All black communities, like all the guys who are into Reebok, who just ended up buying Nike because they couldn't believe a brand as global as Nike was actually doing what? Supporting them. And in 24 hours, the campaign had about 5 million tweets. You can imagine just a video of Colin taking a stand, you know, and telling people that, man, you have a right to dream. You have a right to a choice. You have a right to just do it. Yeah, I I, I tried getting a video for the for this specific presentation, but, you know, because of time, I thought it would be overkill as well. But... Anyway, back to some of the challenges uh, Nike faced, of course, uh, there was the backlash 
because people, some, the greater part of America did disagree with Kapaniak's stand. So one of the challenge was uh, the backlash, but you have to understand this campaign was about standing with someone against all odds. So Nike had no option but to stand with Kapaniak until the campaign actually works for both him and the brand. Some of the key takeaways from this is one, authenticity. Because, I mean, Nike has been there for a long time, a long, long time. But if even up to now, they can still come up with campaigns like the Dream Crazy campaign that is so authentic, so real, so original, you're not going to find it anywhere else that, oh, maybe this brand has done it in Australia, this brand has done it here. It was amazing. Another takeaway I would love to uh, share is uh, how bold and controversial the campaign was. I, you have to understand, even in the Nike boardrooms, people must have told them, no, this may not work. But they stood by it and they went for it. And then the other takeaway is brands can actually always involve themselves in social issues. We live in a country where it's just commercial most of the time. Brands are launching something, it's commercial. Come and buy, come and sell, come and advertise, come and do this. But there's nothing like... We are going to this disadvantaged community. We are going to give them all this solar lighting. Of course, you can also buy, but because we are doing it for the betterment of the entire country, we also want to contribute something to the national cake. It doesn't work like that. The other case study I would love to talk about in terms of successful social media impact is the Coca-Cola Share Coke campaign. So I don't even think I need to speak a lot because everyone always recognizes it. So this kicked off in 2011, and surprisingly, it was an Australian campaign. Like, when they rolled out this campaign, it was for Australia as a country, yeah? But when guys in Canada saw it, they were like, wow, okay, maybe we also want something like this. So the team in the US saw it, the teams in Africa, the teams in Asia, everyone just got wind of the Australian campaign that uh, was nicknamed Sheacock. Basically, they replaced the Coke logo for people's names. So instead of Coca-Cola, there's Pika Hill, maybe there's Agile Marketing, there's Engineer Piper, whichever you want, yeah? And this blew up, ideally, from social media. So from the moment the campaign went live in Australia, it lasted one week. In two, three weeks, it was all over the entire country. And how? These guys didn't have ads on TV running the Share Coke campaign. This only came a month later. And the ads were actually from the US. The real original Share Coke campaign ad was made way after the campaign was live. But how did it blow up? One, social media. And some of the strategies they used involved uh, personalization, which, of course, uh, that was removing the Coke logo for the name, consumer involvement. So they kept on urging people, guys, let's say Selena Gomez has done it. She has a Coke photo. It has Selena Gomez. What about you? Go to a Coca-Cola store, look for your name, get a bottle, do something. Then they had multi-platform engagement as well. By the time the campaign reached the US and Africa and the global market, it literally moved from social media onto traditional media. So TVs were talking about it, radios were talking about it, billboards were talking about it. And in all these means of communication, people were just being told to practice like, man, I, I also have mine. Do you have yours? <laughs> Do you have yours? But remember, it meant buying a Coca-Cola bottle for you to enjoy that gimmick. 
Then there's also the limited time offer. For those who didn't know, in Uganda, I don't know how they did it, but not so many people had Coca-Cola bottles with their names. I mean, me, I'm a Sesanga. There's no way, hell, you're going to ever find a Coca-Cola bottle with Sesanga. So we had to fight for the few names that were there. And I feel like this gave the campaign an element of scarcity. I remember having a discussion with someone in a marketing class, and they were talking about how Coca-Cola should have real personalized it to the African audience of having the real traditional names. But I feel like brands like Nike sell a lot because their shoes are limited offer. Like they'll drop shoes and they'll tell you they're only 1,000 pieces. So if you don't come, you don't get it. Yeah. And I feel like this is how they also brought in that scarcity element. Some of the outcomes are, of course, the global success of the campaign. This is a case study all over the world in every marketing class you'll go into. Increased sales. The fact that you had to buy a Coca-Cola bottle to get your name and also digital uh, digital awareness. I don't think up to now Coca-Cola has ever had a campaign that went viral on every platform, whether traditional, whether Facebook, whether Twitter, whether Instagram. The campaign was trending on every platform, on every media, on radio, on TV, literally all over. They dominated. So some of the takeaways we'll take away from this is uh, personalization. So a lot of the success came from the fact that you could have your name on this bottle, yeah? And this is the same thing I, I, I did when it came to the Jumia Host campaign. We ran the challenge and told people, guys, at midday, you can just order for a pizza and we'll come and deliver it on a horse. As long as you order or if you take a picture of the horse and share it on social media, we'll come and give you a pizza off the horse. So this is something I borrowed from this campaign. Two was they engaged the audience. They kept on telling people, share Coke. If you are called Pfizer, find another Pfizer you can actually share that Coca-Cola with. And this is the same tactic I also used when it came to the horse campaign, telling people to take pictures of the horse, telling people to guess a couple of questions way before the campaign came because I needed to involve them in the campaign. I needed them to actually see the horse, get a pizza off the horse, experience our whole idea firsthand. Then number three, another actionable takeaway is leveraging social media. This can be seen with both the Coca-Cola campaign and the, the Jumia House campaign. For those that didn't know, this campaign actually went more viral in Nigeria than in Uganda because on that day I ran it, there was no fuel. There's a fuel shortage in Nigeria and people were actually really using horses. So when people saw a Jumia House, they thought it was their Jumia. So their orders went up. <laughs> they had about 30 to 40% increment in food orders, yet there's no fuel, so there's no way to deliver this food. It caused a ruckus that side, but of course a success on my end here. Then another one is that you really have to create a sense of urgency for every great campaign. It doesn't, it's not going to last forever. You're not going to have your name on a Coca-Cola bottle the entire year. It's a month's campaign. Same thing with the host delivery. It was a day's campaign, a one-hour campaign, actually. So if you missed the midday time hour, if you missed the midday time slot, it was uh, done for you. I think I'll conclude with that, but just saying campaigns are supposed to be memorable. Campaigns are supposed to touch people. That's it. 
That's wonderful. Thank you for those insights. I see hands up on uh, on the X spaces. Please keep your hands up until uh, Miss Betty shares. Miss Patricia says, what a good problem for Jumia in Nigeria. Exactly. <laughs> I'd like to hear your comments and thoughts of what was going through your mind as the speakers were sharing their insights. That would be helpful. Hi, everyone. Thanks for the insightful insights so far. So I'll be speaking on uh, social media strategy and planning and the role of social media within a comprehensive marketing strategy and uh, providing insights into planning and executing a social media campaign. Uh, just to start off, I think other speakers have touched on the role of, the, of uh, social media and comprehensive marketing strategy, but I think just to summarize, it's important to align your social media goals with your overall business objectives to run a successful campaign. They must always be aligned. And that's why I think a lot of marketing managers always preach that the CEOs and everyone involved, even CFOs, need to be aligned with the marketing strategies in the organization. They can't operate her separately. So obviously the role of social media and a comprehensive marketing strategy, brand awareness, it's the easiest way to get brand awareness and visibility. So it's an opportunity to showcase your brand to a vast audience. I think there was a huge opportunity for this during 2020, during COVID-19. At that time, I was working with smaller brands in social media, but there was a surge in uh, the number of businesses that were asking for social media management at that time. Specifically, those small businesses you find downtown. I, we had uh, a lot of small businesses, like uh, people who own sneaker businesses or wedding gown businesses, even people in the food industry. Asking for social media strategies at that time, obviously, because that was the only way for them to make sales. Audience engagement, engaging your audience through social media, it fosters meaningful connections, like what Faisal was talking about, the Coca-Cola, the famous Coca-Cola social media campaign that fostered a connection between the brand and the audience it was targeting. I created a sense of community, and I think that campaign will be talked about for years to come. Then the third point is driving traffic and conversions. Obviously, the, the main business goals are to drive sales. So a social media manager always has to keep that in mind that even if I'm creating content at the end of the day, my core point is to drive traffic to the website and boost the business's chances of converting visitors into customers. Of course, our market research and customer insights, this is really important to get data on user behavior and their preferences, which will help you tailor your product. A lot of social media managers work with the research team. They work with other product team on helping them tailor their products and services to better suit their needs. In the tech industry, you'll find a lot of marketing managers working with the UI and UX designers uh, to talk about things like the customer journey. Then, of course, you have content distribution. So, obviously, it's a powerful channel for distributing content. Then the other point is how businesses can align social media goals with their business objectives in a practical way. So, the, the first point is, uh, of course, most uh, campaigns always start with smart objectives. So, smart objectives, obviously, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. For example, if the business goal is to increase brand awareness, as the marketing manager, your goal will be probably to uh, increase brand awareness by gaining 2,000 new followers on Instagram within the next three months, if you break it down. Then if the business's goal for measurable uh, targets is to improve customer engagement, then as a social media manager, you think about increasing the average number of likes and comments by, for example, 20% over the next quarter. And the achievable goal for the business could be improving customer satisf satisfaction 
and your goal as the social media manager will probably be increasing average customer satisfaction rating on social media within, the, for example, the next three months by providing quicker responses and resolving issues more effectively. Uh, for relevancy, for example, if the business objective is to strengthen brand authority in the industry, then as a social media manager, you already know, your goal is to increase the number of industry-related articles or content shared on LinkedIn or company page in the next month so that you can position yourself as a thought leader. Time-bound time goals, for example, in the e-commerce, if you're... If your goal is to increase sales as a social media manager, your goal is to increase online sales generated through the social media channels by a certain percentage. And then on understanding your audience, I think uh, a lot of social media managers already know. This one is quite obvious part of social media people. Audience research using social media analytics. Yeah, so using analytics to gather demographic data about your followers. This includes age, gender, location. Then are conducting surveys, direct information from your audience, uh, asking questions about their preferences and what content they'd like to see. And this is so easy to, to do, like on Facebook, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you just create a poll asking people what content they interact with the most uh, to get direct feedback. Then analyzing engagement metrics, examining the performance of past social media posts and, and then find which content receives the most engagement. Finally, aligning, planning and executing effective social media campaigns. So, we're looking at content strategy, developing a content calendar. At Agile Media, we use tools like Loomly, where we plan our clients' content. We use AI to plan our clients' content. So developing a content calendar that outlines the content you'll share, when and where, and balancing promotional content with informative and engaging posts. Then you'll have engagement and interaction. This is the execution plan, responding promptly to comments, messages, engaging in conversations, prompting conversations. I think one brand in Uganda that I like that is really good at this is Safe Border. I got uh, one post that I really enjoyed. There's uh, one of their followers who posted something about them who said, who else misses those random funny messages from Safe Border? I don't know if I have hit a different kind of law in life, but I found them sweet because they came with my name and they were funny too. Almost made you feel like Safe Border was a goofy friend who cared. So I don't know, as a social media manager, that's really really good insight to get out uh, because it really targets young people and they also speak in the same language that they speak. That's a brand that really knows how to engage with their audience correctly and also engage in conversations happening. If there's a game happening, they post about it. And yeah. if their concerts happen because they promote them, they still post about it. In advertising, testing and optimization, experimenting with different types of content, posting times and advertising strategies. Thank you so much, Betty. I think exploding with insights, but allow me to take a few questions or just thoughts that have run through your mind as people share their insights. Anybody? The one intriguing thing I'm really, really in support of in terms of what Patricia shared is the use of AI. It's a two-way thing, yeah? If you're not using AI, then you're probably not very efficient. If you are overusing AI, you're probably going to end up being very boring. And... I love the fact that she mentioned prompts. You see, like a new TV or a new car, all these things always have a manual. You have a new car, this is what this button does. This is what it does at 60, at 80. This is what it does when it's time for service or a fridge or a washing machine. But what we are seeing is AI has come out, the manuals are there, but no one gives a, no one gives a, <laughs> forgive my French, no one cares. And you find people just playing with chat GTP with a very boring prompts. 
yet it could be used for so much more like people are building applications using the same platform you're asking for what time is it in uganda or how should i make coffee you know they are really way better prompts you can play with to get what you want and they're really way better ways to actually utilize this ai and it's not just platforms like chat gpt but there's an ai resource on almost everything there's an ai resource on graphics but it doesn't mean you're going to use AI for all your graphics. You can use it to give you an idea or a color scheme or a color code or a logo placement. And there's AI in presentations, there's AI in public speaking, there's AI in social media planning. There's literally an AI for almost everything today. But I love the fact that in the future, if people actually don't listen to what Kahil is saying, they're going to just end up being left behind whether they're using AI or not. That's the one thing that really stood out for me. Great. We had a question from the spaces on X, but the person's hand went down. Anybody else? Okay. I wanted to commend Betty uh, on the strategy side, connecting strategy to the goals of a business. It's one of the things that I've recognized that very many people who are doing digital marketing tend to forget that they are under an organization, but an organization wants to achieve a certain thing. That's why they are using the platforms to achieve that thing. So if you're creating your strategy and you're not connecting to the goals of the business, then you're shooting in the sky. So I like that she mentioned that and went deep into speaking about the sales. So how many, how much sales can you contribute as a digital marketer or an influencer or anyone who is using digital spaces for a business? How much can the platform bring for you in regard to the business goal. So if the business says we want 1,000 customers, how many of those is, is social media contributing to? I like the case studies that Faisal brought out, the calling campaign that happened. I think maybe that's something that's missing with Ugandan brands, using digital marketing also for social causes. Of course, a lot of companies do CSR, but not a lot of them jump on it. The actual social causes that are happening in the moment. So obviously, as a risk, you have to understand the political climate in Uganda, but uh, I did enjoy that. I uh, I think a lot of companies can, in Uganda can do better with with their social causes. The CEO of Starbucks once said that's what helped them make sales. They're always aligned with what's happening in the country and they always take up the right social causes, which a lot of young people are like want to align with brands that support what they support and are, are on the right side of history. Although this time they're facing backlash for backing Israel, is it? <laughs> There's a current ongoing boycott Starbucks campaign because they decided to stand with Israel. Like I said, it can it can go either way. It can go good, it can go bad, but it's such a huge risk for any brand that makes it or doesn't make it. Yeah. I think for Uganda's context, I've always thought about the LGBT rights, especially when they are their highest. What would happen if a brand say, Johnny Walker or MTN stood up. Someone mentioned our political climate. Brands need to be very careful on how they trend. Um, otherwise, in countries like, I won't mention which one, you can close down and you will never get to serve people. It depends on the price you have to pay. I'd like to let you go, but also thank our speakers today. I think you guys touched the heart of the matter of social media. Hopefully that's 
if someone was listening in here today and is not able to afford consultation fees for, say, Kahil uh, Insights or Agile Media, they are able to take out a few things here and there that are able to then help them drive growth through um, their communications. Otherwise, stay well for now and thank you so much.